Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Another episode of Digital Voices. And actually, this is the first episode where we have a repeat guest. So I'll save that for a little bit later. So today we're going to talk about patient point of view, which we've done many times. But I wanted really to focus in on one specific area because I believe it needs a lot of focus. And that's on the patient, the transgender patient. And so I'm really excited about this conversation today because I think it'll really shed some light on the on the situation and, and what we can do, how we can respond to healthcare much better than we have historically. So Dan, you know, uh, tell me about your thoughts around transgender. You have transgender friends. What's your exposure been? Yeah, so um, pretty minimal um, personal um, exposure, but I do remember one Halloween, um, I went to a uh, drag party and um, ended up by, I went, I went there by accident and we walked in, me and some buddies and, you know, wasn't quite my scene, but ended up having a great time and um, everyone was super nice. So that was pretty much the height of my experience. So the reason I asked that question is because there hasn't been a tremendous amount of exposure in the medical field specifically for working with and serving transgender patients. And that's why this conversation is so critical because we need to really, you know, take a magnifying glass and, and look at it because it's not an even experience. Okay. And so you're going to hear some of those examples today and we need it to be an even experience. And I don't think it's out of anyone's malintent, uh, but I think it's just out of, you know, ignorance. And I, I don't mean that in a negative term, but I, I, I do believe that we just don't know by and large as a healthcare system, how to respond to different types of people. And so that's really what, what I want to hone in on today. So first guest, I'm going to introduce both high level and they'll introduce themselves. But Amelia Weehy, she is our first time second guest on the podcast. She has been on the podcast previously talking about construction and digital transformation and construction and how there's some things that we might learn over on the healthcare side. So Amelia, welcome. Second time. Glad to have you. I know. I'm so flattered. I get to, I get to uh, be on the podcast two times. <laughs> this is the first time we should have like, uh, I don't know, some special gift or something. And then <laughs> uh, Daniel Jose, also a uh, first time guest, but Daniel, we want to welcome you as well. Hi, thank you. So we all met together before, or at least Daniel and I also, along with Amelia, in a focus group. So Chris Ross from the Mayo Clinic and I are writing a book on patient experience. And, and we believe that it, we really need, as I already mentioned, really need to focus on every patient. And that includes uh, from every type of community and background, social, economic, everyone needs to be treated the same when it comes to healthcare. And so that's why, so that's why we met in this focus group related to the book. And I was like, we have to have both of them on our podcast. So we have the same question for everyone and maybe the most interesting question sometimes. And that is share your favorite music. Like what kind of music do you like to listen to in your downtime or on your radio, in your car or whatever? So we'll start with Amelia and then we'll go to Daniel Jose. 
Okay, I know I answered this question last time, but it's since changed. Um, like right now, right now I'm listening to um, a lot of what's called hyper pop, um, which is kind of like um, I don't know. It's like a very upbeat, like very upbeat digital, like digital electronic music. Um, and there's a lot of like really cool, like pioneering trans folks um, that make a lot of cool hyper pop music. So I've been really excited about that. Cool. You got to send me a link to to your favorite so I get I get more hip because I'm not that hip. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know how much you like it, but I'll send it to you. <laughs> you never know. You saw me do ABBA recently. So, hey, it's all good. Um, Daniel Jose, what about you? I usually listen to, I mean, I listen to all kinds of music, but I tend to focus on reggaeton. Um, but actually, one of my favorite artists did a song with Metallica, which I think is really cool because they're completely different genres. And the combination of the two, I think, is sick. So yeah. Nice. I I love it when the two get mixed and see what comes out of it. And and what about life mission or mantra statement or, or mantra life mantras that you each have? Uh, Daniel, maybe starting with you, like what, what's your life message? Um, I don't know if there's a particular message more so making for my biggest goal in life is to make sure that specifically trans youth and trans youth of color voices are heard and their stories are told. So um, yeah, this is a starting with me in a way. Yeah. And this is a perfect uh, venue for you to reach that goal. Uh, Amelia. Uh, my, my, my mantra is always community. I think, uh, especially, you know, as a, as you know, like a, LGBTQ person, like, you know, um, find being able to like find um, kind of our own families and, um, you know, because, uh, you know, uh, it, 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 it gets it gets exciting, but being able to like find people that you feel comfortable with and people that accept you. Um, so um, my, my mantra is just kind of trying to create those communities for myself and for other people. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. And you mentioned something, Amelia, you said LGBTQ. Hey, let's do like four or five different definitions just to level set because we're going to dive right in after that. And I, not everyone will be familiar perhaps with some of the things that you might say. So that's part of this. The reason for the podcast is really learning. So can you talk about maybe a couple of acronyms that we might hear and what they mean? Sure, sure, sure. All right. So I have a, I have a couple that like are specifically relating to um, to like healthcare ready to go. Um, of course, LGBTQ is you know lesbian, um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. Um, Q for being queer, and there's you know extensions of of that for intersex community, the asexual community. It keeps going, um, but those are what all the letters stand for. Um, there's a couple like different like types of people when it comes to trans people. Trans trans people meaning that their um, their gender identity. Um, doesn't align with their a sex that was assigned at birth, um, whereas cisgender people, their gen their gender identity does align with the sex that they were assigned at birth. Um, so you'll hear those two terms like kind of thrown around, and 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 kind of um, you can say like trans or you say cis. Those are just either just means like people who are transgender or are cisgender. Um, um, there's a uh, uh, there's a uh, acronym thrown around a lot um, in medicine it's called HRT, which just stands for hormone replacement therapy. Um, which for um, for people who are looking for like a hormone replacement um, to be more masculinizing, they would take what what testosterone um, like a synthetic testosterone injections or you know supplements of some sort, um, and they call that T oftentimes. And then um, for feminizing hormone therapies, it's it, it, it's often referred to as E, which is typically a combination of testosterone blockers and synthetic um, estrogen hormones. Um, and then um, within the transgender community, there's also um, there's people who are binary, meaning that their um, their gender identity is like man or woman. And then there's non-binary folks, 
um, where it's uh, the, their gender is neither male nor female, and it doesn't have to be somewhere in between. It could be somewhere outside of that, but it's really just like up to them. So how's that? No, that's great. I think those are well covered. And if we hit one along the way, we can just stop and explain it. So tell us each of us, let's start with you, Dan and Jose. Tell us your, your story, personal, professional, whatever you feel comfortable with sharing, and then we'll jump into some experiences related to healthcare. Sure. Um, I mean, I could talk about my trans experience since I guess it's the most uh, prominent because I there's so many different aspects of my life. You know, it's, I kind of have to hone in on one. Um, uh, I had I sort of started questioning my gender back in high school. Um, sort of just one day I asked myself, what if I, like, well, how would my life would be if I were a guy? And then I really focused on that. And I was like, what if I was one? And it sort of started answering some of the questions I had from childhood that I didn't have the answer to um, because I was raised in a very conservative household um so i didn't have any access to language and that's the biggest thing and i think that's that might be true for a lot of trans people is that the uh having not having access to language sort of can delay what questions or answers you might end up having um and so i started questioning in high school and then around the my freshman year of college um i went from identifying gender queer which is i guess a term that we haven't talked about uh sort of like the same thought of queer in terms of sexuality, uh, that like it doesn't fit into a bubble, uh, but specifically to gender, and that's sort of how I felt, um, to, sun to one day being like, you know what, I feel like a man and I want the world to see me that way. Um, and then I went social transitioning, uh, which is also another term we need to talk about, um, transitioning in, in a way that's not specifically medical and more so coming out to your friends and coming out to your family and starting to uh, tell people to refer to you in a different way or maybe dressing differently. There's a lot of aspects to that. Uh, and then now here I am many, many years later after doing all the things that I felt like I needed to do to be the person that I wanted to be. I guess that's sort of a summary. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. I, I really appreciate it. I think the audience will gain a better understanding as well. Amelia, what about yourself? Uh, sure. So as my like transitioning experience, um, I was a little bit later of a bloomer than Daniel Jose. Um, uh, I think, um, I don't know, like I, I remember I, 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 there's certain things that I can point to growing up. Like, I don't know, like um, that I just had kind of this feeling inside that some part of myself in order to be completely happy would have to kind of go outside of the norms of, of what I was used to. Um, and I, I never had really had language for it until I had gotten into college and, you know, someone asked me, you know, like, what are your pronouns? And I was like, oh, I, I didn't know that you could choose, you know, like you, you that, that was like an option that you had. Um, and uh, um, just like, I don't know, just you kind of like moving into the workforce. Um, I It was just like it was time because I was just being um, extremely unhappy, extremely depressed with, um, you know, with who I was and. Um, and so I decided to transition um, because it, you know, it, it's it's who I am, um, and and it's like the the moment that I was able to transition and be accepted within my friends um, and my community. Um, my mental health has been amazing. Like every, you know, I've been able to do things that I've always been wanting to do, um, and I kind of have like a new um, kind of lust for life, I guess. Um, so um, it's it's been like a, you know, that's a kind of a short story, but um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of my experience so far. Yeah, no, that, that's great. Thanks. For, thanks for sharing. And I forgot to say, although those who have heard our first podcast uh, know this already, but uh, Amelia is my niece. And so we have a 
familial connection, a blood connection as well. And we used to hang out a lot together in the New York City in the Big Apple when I used to serve out there. We had great, great times that I always look, I have great fondness for, and I'm sure we'll have more. Uh, yeah, we got to go dancing again. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And seeing some shows and uh, we really always painted the town red, that's for sure. So, all right, let's jump in. So what are one or two experiences, because I know you both had them, that, uh, that might be different, you know, as a transgender, so that, again, the goal here is that we would understand uh, better about all segments that we serve in healthcare. Uh, what, what are some, some things that you might have run into that, uh, a, you know, a straight person uh, would not have run into? Um, sure. Okay. I can jump in. Um, so I think, I think you mean like a cisgender person. Um, yeah, right? exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I get, I, um, first of all, I think I, I want to say that like I live in New York city and I think it's a lot easier for trans people to access, um, healthcare in New York city. Um, although it's not easy, um, but it's certainly like a little bit more privilege, um, to be able, there's a lot more kind of more access to it than in other places of the country and in the world. Um, but um, I think like one experience that I remember that was just like really awful. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen to anyone else. Um, is I like I went in for to get like a COVID test, um, and at the time my ID um, read a different name, um, and and it read yeah read what my dead name. That's a, that's a uh, um, that's another term we didn't talk. But a dead name isn't like the name I went by previously or was assigned at birth. Um, I had that on it and, and, you know, when they called that name, like I, I stood up and I'm a woman and I look like a woman. And so they, everyone kind of looked at me funny. And then I walked back there, I sat down in the chair and, um, then they brought in some security and they like kind of harassed me and, and kind of had to ask me a bunch of questions. And, um, and then eventually they just kind of like kicked me out and I, all I wanted was to get like my nose swabbed for COVID. So it was, that was, it wasn't great. Um, there was no, um, when I checked in, um, there wasn't like, you, you know, like there wasn't any like in the intake form. It didn't have anything about gender identity or um, or the pronouns you go by or uh, like transgender status, anything like that. So I think I don't know. I think that could have been easily avoided. Um, but that was just like a bad example, bad, a bad experience that I had. Yeah, so it, it comes down sort of a cultural understanding, right, of of vocabulary, like when I said uh, straight versus cis or on an intake form, whether, you know, it acknowledges, you know, a, a wide variety as opposed to just male or female or unknown. Uh, we, we need to be more culturally aware and culturally sensitive. Uh, what about you? Yeah. 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 What about you, Daniel? No, go ahead. No, go for it. Uh, <laughs> um, I, thinking uh, specifically about what you were saying about how like we need to be more aware uh, I used to be on Accutane like a couple, maybe like a year ago, two years ago. Um, and their system, it's not called Accutane anymore, but their system is, is has very, because there's so many problems with birth defects and all, uh, they only have you list yourself, like they, you like the doctor has to, had to have reported me as female because of my internal anatomy. And every time my dermatologist at the time kept apologizing and was like, I'm sorry, we have to do this. I'm sorry, you have to take a like a pregnancy test, even though we all know that you're not going to be pregnant because I very basically little to no risk of that happening. Um, and it's just like, and th there is, is, is no way that I knew of how to fight that just to be like, you know, this is, 
and it's not an experience that I think anybody who's cis would understand, right? Like a woman goes in there, she has a uterus, okay, has a chance of pregnancy, has to take this test. It's one thing, but having to be there and having to be like seen as a male, having a beard and being like, okay, I have to take a pregnancy test. And then some of the nurses being like really unsure what to do and really being confused and being like, because, you know, I physically look one way, but I have to be reported medically in another way. Um, and that, that was very uncomfortable at the time that I was on it. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. Um, Amelia, did you have another example or any other things that you you wanted to share regarding oh sure sure i mean i mean i was i i wanted to didn't want to like i know you said a, a couple of examples i didn't want to keep it um all sad but like one, one like honestly um one of the best clinics i ever went to um is you know when i walked in the door they said hi what's your name and then they immediately asked me my pronouns and um and they said okay and then they took your insurance card and even if your insurance card says something different like they you know they put your you know your your actual name on the thing and and uh and whenever they refer to you they just make you you know confirm your your last name and your date of birth instead of having to confirm your first name your last name and your date of birth i know a lot of people also change their last names as well but for me i didn't um um so that worked you know and so, and so like there's there's very easy procedural ways to be more trans inclusive um and i think that um, I think that, you know, it's, it's really important to, and as you said, it's really important um, for uh, institutions to get this right um, so that they can be in line with the actual populations that they serve. Yeah. And Daniel, if I recall, you, you may have gone to a clinic uh, before in New York City where they were much more uh, tra trans inclusive and kind of provided you a more of an ideal experience. Um, so. Can you, I both or either one of you talk about what the ideal experience might look like? Amelia, you just hit on a couple of things, but is there something else that you think would make it a lot, you know, what would your recommendations be is another way of looking at it to a healthcare a system, a hospital, a, a payer, an insurance company? What are some things that they could do to be more trans inclusive or, or what, and another way of phrasing this, so we can go a lot of different directions here. Another way of thinking about this is, you know, what, what else should they know that perhaps they don't know today? I would say, yeah, um, I do, I go to a clinic now that uh, has, I mean, has, has proven just to be a great experience, similar to the concept that my insurance name used to be different, and they would refer to me by the name that I went by. Uh, now it aligns, so it's a little different, but my biggest thing because I've definitely heard other trans people have the experience where they need to feel, they feel the need to inform their doctors of their own changes. And I luckily haven't had that. My doctor is fully aware of what hormones does um, and has been, has been more knowledgeable than me, which I feel is the proper way to go. I mean, I didn't go to so many years of school for me to be telling my doctor what hormones do to me. Um, my doctor did that. And so I, I mean, I don't know how, how, I guess, how to give advice on that, but like definitely education. And I think um, changing the way that uh, medical education is right, not only for doctors, but for nurses as well, because I've also seen nurses who don't know how to inject hormones. Um, and it's, I don't feel like it's that difficult. It's an intramuscular injection. I know someone who's in nursing school who's learning how to do it. So I, um, I definitely think that education and, and the standard of and trans inclusive education should be a, a priority. Yeah, that's a good one. Anything else, Amelia, to add? Like you were the hospital CEO, or something? yeah, I think what's if if, if I think what would be really great is um, just to 
you know, train your, uh, your medical professionals that if someone's coming in, they're seeking hormone replacement therapy, that's not a decision that is taken lightly. Um, and there's no need to try to talk them out of it. Um, and, and at this point, you, you know, at, at this point, you know, they're doing something that they're certain that's going to be good for them. Um, and it's in most, and, you know, in most cases, it absolutely will be. Um, so, you know, trying to, um, try to dis, trying to dissuade people or like having them meet with, um, to, with like, uh, um, social, uh, like social services and things like that beforehand and having, you know, to get all these approvals before they do something that they know that they need to do. Um, just, just to, like, to understand that, you know, no one, you know, no one just goes in, um, like, oh, I think I'm going to try, you know, I think I'm going to try doing estrogen today and, um, maybe testosterone tomorrow. And, and these, these are all very, um, very, very important, um, important like medical decisions, and um, and and they're not taken lightly. And I don't think you know there's no need to try to dissuade someone from doing something they know that's going to be right for them. Yeah, though those are really good pieces of advice, and you know just to hit just to hit it square on, which is what we try to do with digital voices, is whether or not you agree with a person's lifestyle choice. Uh, when it comes to medical care, we we are all people. We are all humans and deserve to be treated with the highest mo highest respect and dignity. And we we need to make sure our systems are all aligned and processes are aligned in that way. All right. So this is sort of a variation on the theme. So what we're really trying to pull out is really a few takeaways, which we've covered several already for our audience. Again, largely chief digital officers across health and life sciences and payers and providers and what they should know about. And if you were a CEO of a health system, you, you all are part of some pretty nifty ones there in New York city. But if you were CEO of a health system and realizing, you know, for a while, uh, the transgender community has, has been uh, neglected in a sense, what are some things that you might do to sort of raise awareness and make sure that everyone was treated uh, the same? So the, so one that you both talked about already, a couple of things, one is a training. So make sure everyone understands because some people, it's just out of ignorance again, they just don't know. And so it's understanding, it's, it's training. Uh, another one that you both spoke about is processes and Make, making sure the processes are all inclusive of, of people of all sorts of backgrounds. Um, is there anything else as a hospital CEO that you might think about or institute if you were the person in charge? I got one. Um, something that my clinic does is informational pamphlets that are specifically toward trans people, so like how to bind safely, for example, binding being uh, often for trans masculine people, a way to uh, flatten their chest, um, or how to tuck safely, so often for trans feminine people on uh, reducing the appearance of, you know, whatever anatomy that they have. Um, things like like information on how to do medical things safely, and, how to, and like something like that, something as simple as that, especially because a lot of hospitals have pamphlets on like, you know, STDs and uh, HIV and things like that. So I think including that and making sure it's it's just as important. Yeah. 
Amelia, anything additionally? Yeah, no, I, Daniel Jose, I think those are all the really awesome things. Like, I don't know, it, when you were talking, it had me like thinking of that meme of like, um, you know, they say you have like two, there's a fence and there's three people trying to look over the fence and they're all sh one shorter than the next. And the tallest person can see over the fence and, and the other ones are all standing on a block and it says, you know, equality and then equity is the smallest person gets a taller block to stand on and everyone has a different yeah. sized block to stand on so that they can see over the fence. And I think, um, yeah, like the transgender community needs a lot of support, especially in the, especially medically. Um, I don't know as far as, you know, if, you know, is in this hypothetical scenario where I'm a CEO, um, that this, you know, this is applicable, but what I do want to make sure I say, because I know some pharmaceutical folks are, do listen to the podcast, is that um, I, I know that um, my doctors have to go through some backdoor way mm. to get hormone therapy for me because, like, because um, insurance and ph pharmaceutical companies don't really, in this country, don't really acknowledge the existence of, of trans people, uh, meaning that, you know, I, you know, with, you know, yeah, my insurance company may think I have some kind of endocrine issue um, and not the fact that I'm just trans. So trans healthcare needs to be covered by insurance um, across the board. Um, they do it in several, several um, very developed countries, and it, it's, it's it's something that needs to be covered um, because it's it's there's the 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 um, the research is there. It's 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 a life saving it's all life saving medical treatment. Yeah. Um, so that that's that's the thing that I feel very strongly about. Yeah. That no, that's huge, Amelia. I'm glad you brought it up. That that's huge, and and you're right for our payer and farmer folks. Um, huge. So thank you for bringing that up. Look, we have time for, for one last question. I always leave it to my guest. So, or, so it's really not a question and saying it's a, yeah, it is a question and that you get to answer, but basically the floor is yours. So we talk about a lot of different areas. Uh, maybe you want to reemphasize one, or maybe there's something I failed to ask. It didn't come out. Is there one other thing that you'd like to share with our audience as we uh, wrap up the podcast? Sure. I, I, I thought of a couple of things. Um, what just, first of all, um, if, if you're listening and you happen to be a trans person or you have a, you know, a transgender son or daughter or, um, or just, you know, someone in your life, um, just, um, pl please know that, you know, there are literally millions of trans people in the world. It's going to be okay. Um, there is help if you're feeling, um, if you're feeling depressed or upset, um, or you just don't know what to do with your situation. There are trans people that are thriving all around. Um, we're not, you know, one in you know, one in five adult human beings at this point know they know at least one transgender person. Um, people are around. There is help, um, and uh, um, you know, like you're not alone. Yeah. Great. Great message, Amelia. You're right. You're, you're not alone. Healthcare is uh, definitely for everyone. We're fierce advocates for that. And hopefully uh, this has been really helpful to everyone listening who might not have been exposed to us talking about transgender and healthcare. And so we'll keep having this conversation until it's, it's solved and that the uh, transgender community has the same healthcare experience as everyone else. So definitely committed to that. 
Amelia, Daniel Jose, thank you so much for sharing. You know, you, you shared very personal things and we're, we're very thankful for that. And I, I think it'll help as we move this dialogue forward uh, to make sure that everyone understands that everyone deserves superior health care, no matter what. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff, and we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.